0: Nearly 4,000, and not praying for them, and really not giving as we ought. We're involved in a great enterprise. In the midst of your planning and your celebration of Christmas, remember what Christmas is all about. And remember, the mission effort that you own, you're not just a part of it, you own it, it's yours. I want us to take a look tonight in the 15th chapter of John's Gospel. The chapters 13 and 14 and 15, as we look at this and continuing on into 16 and 17, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and these are his, essentially, it's the last class that he's having with his disciples. There's so much he wants to tell them. There's so much he wants them to understand. He's trying to get them ready for the great shock that will come, literally in just a few hours. And when he tells them, that which John records over in that 14th chapter when he says things are going to happen that you don't understand and it will come as a blow to you but don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to leave you. And if I leave you and go, then I'm going to come back. And I'll receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He continues with the instructions, and we come now into the 15th chapter, where this instruction is an attempt on the part of Jesus to help them see who they are and how they relate to him and how they relate to each other and how they relate to the world. You know, when you come right down to it, when you can get these three circles settled, you're a long, long way along the road of Christian spiritual maturity. Your relationship to Jesus. Your relationship to other Christians, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And your relationship to the world at large. That 15th chapter begins, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman, is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me now listen as these words as you read these words as you listen to these words let your imagination play jesus is talking to his disciples these men whom he loves they love him they cannot understand what's happening And they cannot imagine what is going to happen. And he's trying to prepare them. And as he is with them, he no doubt looks over. And he he does not just abstractly say branches and vines and pulls it out of the air. He's probably close to a vineyard and he points. It's something they're used to seeing. They know and they understand. And so as they look at that, They began to see the vitality of the relationship then that really does exist between Christ and them. He goes on, I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue, ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full My stars, how the devil has hoodwinked so many Christians, thinking that all that Jesus wants to do is to keep you from having a good time. That your joy may be full. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me. I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name he may give it you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you are not of the world, But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. All these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak, no cover for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now they have both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled. It is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And then he goes on in some other beautiful teachings. But concentrating now on what Jesus was sharing with his disciples in this 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. That first circle that we look at in the matter of relationship, Jesus was speaking to them about their relationship to him and his relationship to them it would not be very long before they would see him crucified. They would think those unthinkable kind of thoughts that they had hoped that he was the Messiah, but they might have been mistaken. They were going to have their faith crushed when they would see him crucified, dying on that cross, and to realize that he would be buried like anybody else, dying, dead, and buried. And Jesus wanted them to look beyond that and to remember that when they passed through that experience, that the relationship that existed that moment when he was talking to them was going to exist beyond his crucifixion and beyond his grave. The relationship then that exists between the Christian and Christ is the most vital kind of relationship in all the world. There is a oneness of life. Jesus said in that fifth verse, I am the vine, you are the branches. He goes on to say, a man had better get it straight in his head, which is the vine and which is the branch, which is the master and which is the servant. Most often, when we get our lives all messed up, for whatever reason, in whatever arena of life that we get confused and messed up, it's because we confuse who's the boss. When we begin to make the decisions that we ought to let Christ make, when we begin to make plans that Christ Is the only one qualified to make when we began to do things without consulting Christ he said I'm the vine life is in me nourishment of life is in me the vitality of life is in me everything that is vital to the production of the branch And the leaf and the fruit is in me. And if you abide in me, and I am in you, then regardless of the circumstances of life, crucifixion, death, and burial, you will continue to exist and to live with a vibrancy because we will forever be connected in a vital way. Entire dependence must be upon him. In that sixth verse, this is what he says, Without the vine, the branch can do nothing. And when the branch decides that it can function easily by itself, that it does not need the vine anymore, then pretty soon the withering begins to take place. Now in a beautiful and symbolic way, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the body of Christ. That's what the New Testament teaches us. And when anytime, anytime, anywhere, a member of the body decides I can exist and do just as well and grow to be just as much like Christ, and produce just as much fruit, and have just as deep a prayer life, and be just as fine a Christian without being related to the church, soon begins to wither. In 45 years of ministry, I've never seen it any different. Oh, isn't it amazing the number of reasons that folks can decide not to be a part of church anymore? Absolutely amazing the catalog that the devil can make very convenient for folks. But any time we separate ourselves from the fellowship of the church, we're on the way. To spiritual disaster. Our entire dependence must be upon him. If a man abide not in me, he shall become like a branch, broken off and withered, and fruitlessness then. Over and over again, this fifteenth verse, Jesus is making a plea to his disciples. You're a Christian, you're his disciple. He makes a plea to you and to me. Bear fruit, witness of me. Bring others into the kingdom of God. Live in such a way that you're marked by a Christian character. And as we said this morning about the dove in the dustbin, if we live in the world and like the world so much that the world cannot distinguish us from itself, then we'll not bear Christian fruit for him. What's our relationship then to Christ? It is oneness. Our very life itself depends upon our relationship to Him. Our entire dependence is upon Him for the very power of the living of the Christian life and the, and the doing of everything that relates to being a Christian. And it brings then the matter of partnership. I don't know how you would react If tonight, when you got home, the phone rang, and Lee Iacocca, by any sort of measurement, a man of success, only made $20 million this past year, if Lee Iacocca phoned you And said to you I want you to be my partner got big plans for you know you can do it and you'll share in all the good things that will come out of that partnership I don't know what you would do with such an offer but I rather imagine you sure would think about it. Well, over and over again, you have had an invitation to become a partner with one more successful than Lee Iacocca, Jesus himself. And the joy of it is that we have an opportunity then to cooperate with him because he wants to cooperate with us in the task that he has given us to do herein is my father glorified he said in verse 8 that you bear much fruit the vine and the branch working together the branch cannot bear fruit of itself and in the economy of things jesus said that the fruit-bearing will take place at the branch. And so we are important to him. Even as he is important to us. Cooperation. That's our relationship within that first circle. Then what about our relationship to each other? Jesus had already seen some fussing and some bickering and he had seen, you know, he, he knew that the mother of, of a couple of his fellows out there really wanted them to, to be preeminent and, to, and to, one on the right hand, one on the left hand in the kingdom and uh, he, he knew there would be some jockeying for position. You see, Jesus was the best reader of character that ever lived. He knew that there were egos that had to be stroked. And so he said, you must have the right relationship with me and you must understand the vitality of that relationship. But now listen, said Jesus, you must have a right relationship to each other. And I think he just went around and looked at every one of those guys right straight in the eye. He said now look at each other and they looked around and they looked at each other why don't you do that look around right now I mean this is not rhetorical do it look around see who's here look at folks now some of you are doing it some of you are not doing it come on look around What ought to be the guiding, basic, ruling principle of your relationship with the people you just looked at? Jesus tells us, He said, You are one in me. Together, there is a unity. Every single believer is a part of the body. There is another magnificent passage in the New Testament where Paul talks about the wonders of the body of Christ and each one having its own function and each one having its own part, but each one absolutely vital and essential to the progress and to the success of the church as it does its work in the kingdom of God. Jesus said the one underlying principle that I want you to exhibit and to have and to live by in your relationship to each other is that of love. By this shall all men know that you are my disciple, that you love one another. I'm so glad he didn't say that you like one another. Because there are some folks it's hard to like. But Jesus said, you're to love them. One of the shames of the day in which we live, and I don't know that it's been any different in any of the 2,000 years because I haven't lived quite that long to observe it all. But what I read about history, ours is not much different from any other age in the tragedy of the hatred some Christians have for other Christians. I just know my day and my time and my generation and at this moment in the history of our blessed denomination when some act and speak with such an obvious absence of love. Jesus said, In your relationship to me and my relationship to you, remember we are bound together. Our destinies are intertwined. Remember, he said, in your relationship one to another, you fellows." And if you gals had been there, he would have said, you girls too. Because brothers and sisters in Christ are all included in what Jesus is teaching us. It is that our relationship to each other then is to be bound up in that envelope of love. And it is the kind of love that is willing to give without expecting something in return. He spoke of the love of the Father. He spoke of his own love for them. And here the joy and the wonder of it is that we're to live that way. Love one another, he said, as I have loved you. How much does Christ love you? What did he do to show his love for you? How far did he go to prove his love for you? He said, Love one another as I have loved you. Paul, in that 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, gives the list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he says, as he comes to the great climax in that 13th chapter. But the greatest gift is love. So our relationship to him is one that we're bound up together, vine and branch. And our function is to bear fruit, to live in such a way that we witness to him Our relationship to each other is one of love. When you really love somebody, you pray for them. You want the best for them. You dream the, the best dreams for them. That needs to be the ruling passion of our relationship with each other. But we also live in the circle of a world that is not Christian. What ought to be our relationship to that world? How ought we to live and to relate and to react to the world that does not know Jesus and love Jesus and love the Heavenly Father? Jesus made it pretty clear and pretty plain. He said, and we find it over here in the 19th verse, If you were of the world... The world would love his own, but because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Why are we surprised when people who are not Christian misunderstand our motives in a desire that a community and that a city would be clean? And that the morals of our children would be protected, the world ascribes to us with a hatred, the worst kinds of motives. Jesus said, "Don't be surprised." He said, "They hate me. And I'm not surprised because they hate my father. Nobody likes to be hated. Nobody likes to look across a room and see somebody that you know just wishes you'd drop dead. As far as I know, there's only one person in this world as far as I know, who hates me. And I can be in a room with 5,000 other people and happen to see him or he happens to see me and there is a chilling, cold, horrendous, Paul. Hate is a terrible thing. But Jesus said, remember the word that I said to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they'll keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake because they know not him that sent me. There's some comfort in that. But is that to be our only relationship to those who are not our brothers and sisters in Christ? Is that to be our our only relationship to the world at large out there? No.